0: Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. Uh, we have a very uh, special show, a great show for you tonight. Before I get to my guest, though, let me introduce uh, the man who's back. He missed, uh, or he will be gone next ep- time. Travel's hard. He'll be gone next uh, episode. He's got. He had a thing come up. He's here for this one. Uh, it's uh, Mister Nicholas Siris. Uh Mister Cirrus, how are you, sir?
1: I am doing well, and oh, I couldn't miss. Nick, I couldn't miss Nick. Uh, we have the same name, so you know, just for that alone, I'm here. And uh, great, always to spend time with Nick Malillo, and uh, looking forward
0: to the interview. Absolutely, Nick Malillo, Foundation Cigars. Nick, welcome to the show. Nick
2: Artagua. Yeah, guys, thanks. Good to see you both, uh, and thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a little while yeah. since we've we've all talked. A lot has
0: changed Mm. since the last time you were on the show. You were on the show in late 2019, so long ago, back when I just did audio. uh, And we had a great conversation. We talked about history. We talked about the history of foundation. We talked about your passion for all that stuff. But a lot has changed, and not just because of the pandemic. The very first thing I want to ask you is this. How have things changed for you since the Olmec Maduro was named Cigar of the Year for Cigar Snob last year in 2022? How has things, how how has the whole landscape for you and for foundation has to have changed?
2: Listen, Cigar Snob for me was very special because Cigar Snob actually wrote the first ever article um, on me back in 2012 um, when I was with DE and it was kind of the first time they, they kind of told my journey to Nicaragua and, uh, you know uh, my time time in Nicaragua, so it was an honor to get number one. Um, I think they definitely, you know, uh, heated also to the the market. Um, the cigar had just gotten so much buzz, um, and just connects. You know, it's one of those cigars that's that's magical because it kind of connects on all levels. Um, of course, number one, the blend uh that's where it all starts with us um but then also to complement it with cool packaging you know the story i think it's you know one of those special cigars
0: it it absolutely is now and i'll be honest i think i told you this at the trade show this year i prefer the claro to the maduro that is my jam i think i gave the claro a 939 when when i rated it uh it, it to me there's a little bit more sweetness to it and it's not so overpowering, but the Maduro is fantastic. And I think cigar snob got it right at about a nine, three, um, it gave you cigar of the year. But when, when you were named cigar of the year, when that was named, like what changed for you afterwards and for foundation, obviously there's a bigger spotlight on you guys this year. Um, I you know, I think your booth is about, was about the same size as it was last year. Uh, it was a little bit different.
2: 2019 and we went, we returned to the 2019 size. It was a little bit bigger. We had an extra 10 by 20 space, um, so we went back to full full level this this trade show. We needed the space, ramped um, it up a little bit last year. Yeah, it was just too too small. Um, you know, just to have ample space. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, it's interesting to see the brand grow. To different consumers. And I think Olmec, you know, helped do that, Cigar Snob, the rating. You end up getting introduced to people that had no idea you existed. And also to fans that have been following the company from the beginning. But, you know, people start to discover you. And that's been our journey, right? Just starting from the beginning with Wawense. You know, I started the company a lot smaller than I originally expected. Um, not taking on investors, you know, I wanted to do things the way I wanted to do them. So we started a lot smaller, but it's just been amazing to see just the organic growth. And I think a lot of it is consumer to consumer. Um, I'm fortunate to be able also to now, you know, have funds to advertise and, you know, really promote the brands. And then you get support, you know, from, you know, cigar snob and, you know, all these communities, you guys, um, you know, just introducing people to the cigars.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, and I know Nick's got a question. So I'll let Nick jump in here in just a second, but you, you've had a, you've had an interesting journey starting with the east. So there's always been like this buzz around you, Nick. And when you started foundation, there was, there was a buzz. And like you said, it has been an organic g- growth for you. Uh, with, with your, with the Olmec Maduro getting cigar of the year, uh, and, and all the eyes on you, do you feel boutique still? Do you still feel like, no, I'm just a boutique guy. I'm just doing what I want to do. I I'm not the corporate guy.
2: you know, I always find that the word interesting. Um, somebody said it, uh, well, once boutique is in the heart. Um, one of my previous mentors, uh, well, my he's still a mentor. Um, so, and I see our industry in as a whole as boutique, right? People use the word boutique, but if you look at things from a whole perspective in the whole tobacco pie, amongst the tobacco products that exist, handmade cigars are boutique.
1: Yeah, the, the d- whole the definition. The definition of the word boutique. Yeah. People always ask me, and I'm like, well, it depends on who you ask, but I think you said it best right there. It's like. Boutique is really about caring about what you do and pretty much everybody in this industry is in that boat anyway. So I don't care if you make 3 million cigars or 10 million, as long as you put your love care into the, into what you're producing, then it's boutique, you know?
2: And that's what, it, that's what it's about, right? Is putting your love and passion into Absolutely. the product. And again, within that category of handmade cigars, Then you have different levels again of, okay, boutique within this small category of handmade cigars. You have larger companies, you have family run companies, you have newer guys in the business, you know, that have started their own companies. You have, you know, retailers that have started companies. So it's within that category, you know, you do have more boutique, but I don't really focus on those things because I make a craft all the time, you know, a handmade yeah. artisan. I love tobacco. I love cigars. I I started the journey, you know, learning tobacco folklore from my my grandfather's and Connecticut broadleaf. So it's just in me, in my heart already. So a lot of people start, oh, foundations getting bigger, or they're small. You know, nobody knew who I was in 2015. And I'm just doing what I always do. I'm fucking, excuse my language, working too much. Um, and, you know, this is my life. And yes, but, but, I, but
1: Nick, when you love yeah. what you do, are yeah. you really working? <laughs> you know, it's you love true, what you do, man. you work, but you, that doesn't seem like work because exactly that. When You know, the, the, the famous phrase, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And no matter how hard you work, and I'm sure you work very hard, It's rewarding for you and anyone else in this industry that loves what they do. And I think it's a great business to be in because pretty much everybody loves what they do in this industry. And if they don't, they don't last. They're in and out. But I got to ask a question just to let the people know, you know, obviously you mentioned D as in Drew Estates. What was your tenure there? When did you start there? I mean, people kind of know your story. You started as a retailer. You got hired by Jonathan Drew. What year was that again?
2: That was March, 2003, March, 2003, I moved, um, to Nicaragua. Um, I was going there to kind of just check it out. I had gotten the job offer from Jonathan. I was in Japan at the time traveling around the world. And I get an email from, from John drew. It was a one line email. Call me. I obviously have some serious shit to talk to you about. Um, and that's how it started. That was in December. Oh, two. And by March of oh, three, I was in Nicaragua. He said years. after the first week, do you want to years you in have, the industry? 20 years. It's crazy. It's a flash. Looking, it's,
0: looking it's, back at it and looking at your early days, did you ever think you'd be here? It was like this one, what you wanted to do, were you like, I'm going to get there one day. Like, this is, this is the goal.
2: You know, it's just been a continuous um, following of my passion, which has been cigars. You know, I started in the industry in 96 in a cigar shop, so it was never like a master plan. I just always knew when I started, after I graduated and I stopped working at the shop, I, I knew I wanted to travel and then one of the journeys i wanted to go on was learn to travel through central america and learn how to roll cigars like that was one of my dreams so in the process of traveling you know that ended up happening just through following traveling Uh, you know i just got the job from jonathan but it wasn't you know planned jonathan and i had met in 97 i want to say 97 98 And he was just starting, and we just kept in contact. And he was on my email list as I'm traveling around the world. Um, I had the pleasure of living in Italy for a little while, working in Italy, and then he saw me traveling around the world. So he really needed someone in Nicaragua full-time that could be a liaison to start, you know, his assistant to start between Nicaragua and the office, you got to remember, you know, we're talking about a company that was a fraction of its size, um, you know, at the time. So it just, yeah, it just naturally, you know, happened. So I was 24 and found myself in the North of Nicaragua amongst all of these legends that I had read about and, and, you know, things that I'd only seen in cigar Aficionado or, you know, books that I've I had read and now I'm I'm here. Jonathan took off after the first week and said, pretty much figure it out. I had been coming off an international business degree and I love cigars. I knew what cigars needed to be. I knew what the market, you know, I I, I went through the tobacco shop starting in ninety-six. I was the, the height of the cigar boom. So I was fortunate to get a lot of experience running that humidor and understanding. You know, I I love cigars, so um, you know, just understanding the retail side of things. And then being in Nicaragua, I'm like, all right, I got to prove myself.
1: When I first met here, yeah. When I first met you, Nick, you were running the floor at Drew Estates, and I. It's funny. I think it was the first, the first year they did the Nicaraguan Cigar Festival. I forgot what year it was, but you were still running the floor and you know how they assign you to a factory, you know, to the three. And I'm like, one was Drew Estates and I'm like, oh man, of all the factories, I I, honestly, I didn't want to go because never was a fan of flavored cigars. So really wasn't where I wanted to go. And, you know, I was really early in my, uh, before I actually had been in the industry and, I remember meeting you on the floor and I was so impressed with the factory and the way you ran it. I took a lot of notes, mental notes at the time. And I was just like, this guy's got his shit together. He is running this factory. Right.
2: Listen, a lot of help, a lot of help. Right. Um, Amazing. uh, Amazing team. Um, That's amazing that you were there. That's got to be 2000. And I want to say nine.
1: Yeah. 2009. And and speaking of 2009, I just cracked open this box of the original, oh uh, le- you know the uh, the Flying Pig. The 2009 flying pig, was that yeah. the was that the original release? 2009 because this box is 2009 that I have. I, I believe it is. To- I
2: have a box in my humidor, and I I think so. I want to say around mm. 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah. because. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see, you know, the time timelines are getting so blurry as I get yeah, older, yeah, um, sure. but yeah, I want to, now so you're going to make me uh, try to find that out. But I think, yeah, mm-hmm. 2009 sounds about right. Um,
0: I always love it when the young yeah. kids come on here, Nick, and they're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's so long ago. And the timelines are blurry. And I'm like,
2: yeah, kid. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I her. don't know. You guys aren't dead at all. Come on, get, I'm catching up. It's not gonna I'm get, catching up quick. <laughs>
0: All right, so yeah. I, I, wa- I want to ask you about this. So I don't know if you can see it right here, but I've got the box of Senager, and I told you at the show, the Senager for me, the, the High Highclere Castle Senager, for me, because I didn't get to try that till February of this year. I know it came out in
2: November last year, about a year ago. November last year, yeah. That was the 100th year anniversary and of King Tut's Discovery.
0: By the time I got it in my hands, it was, it was February And I smoked it and I'll I'll never forget a buddy of mine who uh, writes for us. He did a review on it and he gave it a very flattering score of 9.9. And he sent it. He sent me the draft. He goes, read this. I said, okay. He goes and then smoke one. I'm like, I just got it in today. I want to let it sit. He goes, I don't give a shit. Smoke it and call me. I'm like, all right. So I read his review and I'm shaking my head. I'm like, there's no such thing as a fucking nine, nine. Like, this is not like, you, you know, if you get that close to perfection, you might as well just give it a 10. If you give something a 10, what are you going to do when something else is better than that way down the road? Like, you can't. To yeah, me, there's no 11. such thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> 11. 12. Like yeah. it's, We're not, we're not, uh we're not spinal tap. We're not turning the lamp, amp to 11. So, uh, you know, I had this conversation with him while I smoked it. And I smoked it. And at the end, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, this is probably... It, it, and I'm not saying this just cause you're here. Cause said, I said it to him on the phone. I said, this is probably the best cigar I've fucking smoked. Period. Hands down. It keeps it, going. It
2: keeps going. It's going.
0: Yeah. And I, and I said nine, six. And he's like, no, nine, seven. I'm like, for me, the first third was, especially right off the truck was a little light. There wasn't enough there for it. Okay. But as, yeah. as you get into it, right. Cause it's a big fucking cigar when you get into it, it doesn't overpower you and the flavors come together and everything. I'm like nine nine six. like nine seven. Like fine, fuck, nine seven. So we we landed on nine seven together. And that is for me, I'm gonna put that as my cigar of the year for this year, even though it came nice. out last year. Cause I honestly think it's one of the best cigars I've ever had. And then I smoked the Matapa. You gave us a Matapa at the uh at the trade show. And I was like, God damn. He just keeps fucking knocking shit out of the fucking park. Look at that! Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Like you are on these are you? So, you're on a roll. Next week, next week we're going to
2: start those ship. Next, next, next week, we're, yeah we're going to start shipping um, these. Um, yeah, you know, in every this is Sumatra, Ecuador. The Sinecher is Habano, Ecuador. Um, this Sumatra, Ecuador is the first time I have really w- worked with um a project that I'm coming out with Sumatra Ecuador is the Matapa. Um so yeah, it's 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 a bit different. But the Sinatra, um very special cigar. Um, you know, it's don't tell High Castle, but it's one of the reasons why I did the project with them um initially is because of the history of course of cigars at the castle. And then also because um Lord Canarbin's Great grandfather discovered King Tut's tomb with Howard Carter um, in 1922, November is when it, when it happened. So that was always, I, you know, grew up just enjoying Egyptian history. Well, who doesn't? So like, when you're a kid, the,
0: that captures your yeah, imagination, right? The, the pyramids and the mummies and, and yeah. And then King Tut specifically, cause he's a kid. he was a kid and you're like, oh, I can relate to that. And you get into So they
2: tapped me to make a hundred year anniversary cigar. I'm like, we gotta do something, we gotta do something special. This is a special, a special event.
0: And you did, you you knocked it out of the park from presentation to 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 the blend and everything in between. Knocked it out of the park. It is it is one of the best cigars I've ever had. But I wanna know, I know they tapped you for it, but you've worked with, with High Claire Castle before and Lord Carnarvon. Uh, with, for your clair Castle, uh, the Edwardian and the Victorian, which are great cigars. I, I love both of those blends. I like, they're one of my favorites from you. And I know you talked about this a little bit in 2019, but refresh my memory. How did you get hooked up with Lord Carnarvon and Highclair Castle?
1: Also
2: a tough cigar to get right now. If you get high Highclair Blues, we've been out of those, um, now cause high clear is really, um, you know, again, people learning about it. Right. Just over time. Um, so um, a friend of mine here in Connecticut that owns a cigar shop. Um, Mickey Blake's amazing cigar shop here in Connecticut. This was like eight years ago, said, you have to meet a friend of mine. He's like, I don't know why, but you guys just have to meet. Long story short, we end up meeting and um, he his name is Adam. Von Gutkin, very uh, great name. Very uh, great name. Von That's Gutkin. <laughs> so we became really good friends, Adam and I, and he was distilling moonshine in Connecticut. Uh, his family comes from one of the oldest moonshine distillers here in Connecticut. He had a, a small distillery and was just in the process of starting a project to create a gin with... Lord Carnarvon at Highclere Castle, Um, and he, I I think he was learning about cigars because of course we met, I was learning about distilling and and gin, and he was talking to Lord Carnarvon one day and then realized the history of cigars at Highclere Castle, Um, and then started to tell me about the history and then had pitched the idea to Lord Carnarvon that we should make a cigar. Adam called me up. I think it was uh, right before the the PCA one year. It was like uh, May or June and I was prepping for the show. And he said, you gotta come to London and meet Lord Carnarvon. I said, Adam, there's no way I can make it to London right now. And then not long after I got a call saying, Lord Carnarvon and I are coming to Nicaragua. So that was my mind blowing. You know, I'm not, you can, people know me, I'm not a fancy kind of smancy kind of guy. Things, fancy things don't impress me, you know, always. It it is more about the content of one's character that I'm more interested. So it wasn't that I was skeptical or anything. I, I didn't have any kind of opinion, but then the fact that Lord Carnarvon came to Nicaragua and that's the first time we met and we just had an awesome time. And just showing him the production process, learning from him about, you know, his grandfather, great-grandfather, you know, Churchill smoking cigars at the castle. Then I was able to access receipts from the castle that from, you know, the Partagas factory, different, you know, cigars that were purchased, they had on archive. So it was just, again, a really natural kind of uh, kind of project. Um, and we launched High Claire Edwardian, I think that was 2017. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. That and right. it's
2: just kind of, it's been you know growing since people are discovering it. I think at first people didn't realize it was a foundation product at first and they didn't know much about the castle, but as people have kind of learned the story more and of course tried the cigars, the Edwardian is uh, I think an incredible Connecticut shade a lot of nuance, a lot of flavor. It uh, uses a Brazilian Modafina binder. So it's a shade, but it's using a heavier, darker, you know, binder leaf. Modafina is one of my favorite tobaccos. It's definitely a milder blend, but you know, great retro hail. And then we introduced the Victorian, which was really my first um, Habano Ecuador blend that came to the market. Um, So it's about a seventh priming Habano Ecuador, still with the Matafina binder and, um, you know, incredible, more medium, medium plus. Um, And then the Sinatra is kind of like a combination of both blends and the tobaccos are just aged. Uh, All those filler tobaccos are aged for about three years. Um, So, again, this is time and age, right?
0: this is true of of all three of those blends that you're talking about. The the two or the the three high castles you just talked about. They're very I don't want to call them after dinner cigars, because even, even the Connecticut shade, it, it, it's not so much an after dinner cigar. It's more of a they're more celebration cigars for me. They are cigars that are they're black tie. You know, if you're in a black tie and you're in an event, you're celebrating something, that's what you smoke while you're there or right after. That's with a good one. Like that's, that's what it, good, they're black tie cigars. Yeah. And I'm glad And you- that's
2: High Claire, man. Nineteen twenties, like, you know.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, the parties is a party. That, yeah.
2: Yeah. At High Claire where um I was fortunate to be able to visit um amazing, you know, um Lord Carnarvon and his his wife, uh unbelievable the hospitality, and there's a full replica of King Tut's tomb in the basement.
0: No kidding.
2: Um next to the wine cellar and we store the cigars down in the wine cellar which is next to the replica of the tomb um really awesome a uh, beautiful you know amazing place it's a magical place
0: whose idea was it to 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 do the box for the uh for the signature for uh
2: the so that's a it, it was a combination between Adam Lord Carnarvon, myself, and then also my art director, um, Alex Garcia. He's he's the foundation art director in Nicaragua. He's been a good friend of mine for the now past 20 years. Um, he's incredibly talented. So all of us together, um, X, I couldn't believe um, kind of when it came out, I was, you know, sometimes when you see things mocked up digitally, it's different you know i have to always see them and then adam from Highclere engaged uh egyptologists from yale um so he 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 makes incredible connections sometimes but this uh couple that um were actually on site in i think south of cairo but they ended up doing and making sure that the hieroglyphs were legit you know we don't want to we don't want it to be a gimmick right this is a really special event so we wanted to make sure everything was on point so all of the hieroglyphs were true to the box this was one of the the, that box is a replica of one of the boxes found within the tomb there was tons of items found in the tomb Um, boxes which stored different things were were very much a part of of the tomb so the only difference on the, the hieroglyphs is on the center part of the lid, on the top of the lid. It actually says high Claire in hieroglyphs as true to, you know, hieroglyphs as you can get. That's
0: pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's pretty neat. That's, 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 that's taken the level of detail, like very seriously and taken it to the next level and saying, we're going to like, that's, that's pretty cool. Let me ask you this. I want I want to yes, shift sir. gears a little bit. Because you you have had a lot of su- success in the last twelve months and and deservedly so, and you like you've seen things change for you because of that. How has the industry changed? And I'll give you an example because we're we're talking about the uh, signature, um, thirty three dollar cigar. And there are cigars that are priced that that in my opinion don't deserve that price. And then there are cigars like yours, that demand that price, whether it's because of the presentation and the cigar or whether it's the cigar or whether it's a present. This demands that price. And I'm surprised, honestly, it's not higher. But I, I recently heard somebody in the industry say in the next five to 10 years, cigars are going to be, you know, the average right now is $10. The average is going to be $20 and you're going to see more $50 cigars out there. Do you think that's the case? Do you think things are changing that much with the industry that they're going to be able to to demand that price point?
2: It's a great question. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. Have a conversation about this. I I, it's an interesting time. Um, You know, costs are are definitely going up considerably that I've not seen before um, in the industry I always find it interesting you know, to see the supply chain and where the costs actually get really high. And they're, it's actually happening on this side of the world, right? On the state side yeah. and the distribution side. Um, and then you go down the, the line and margins actually go the other way. They get smaller, um, which is always fascinating. But this is, you know, it's an incredible process of a handmade cigar, what goes into it, and then what determines these different price points. A lot of times is, again, time, right? Time in the craft. This is part of the reason which distinguishes different levels of tobacco, black tobacco, dark air cured tobaccos, time, aging. And this becomes a challenge a lot of times when you're dealing with cash flow, When you're dealing with monthly budgets, when you're dealing with sales teams, when you're dealing with so sometimes time, you know, you can rush that you can take things and I think some of the larger companies over the years have made it kind of more of a widget instead of what it is so those larger companies have been able to do that because of their size and because their strategy is more on volume than you following Kai, hope oh, I'm not, yeah. going no, 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 not going off. No, I'm working this out while we're talking. Well, I don't no, have it, a planned response. So uh was, No, yeah. and I think
0: I, I think you're right because you talked a little bit earlier about boutique, and boutique is in the heart, right? And so you now you're yeah. talking about these large corporations that it, it they they like you said, they've made it a widget. And yeah, it's more quali- quantity over quality, where for guys like you who, And they're who,
2: able to keep price points at yes. a lower point whereas then you have a changing market happening right you have different generations of smokers so i don't know if this is true i'm just feeling this you know uh filling this out because it's a great question um so maybe you have a younger generations coming in and i don't know how a lot of people have the money i'm still trying to figure that out um you know but or they're valuing it differently yeah then Maybe then have, you know, having a smoke every day or smoke because the volume of what's consumed, if you look in the early 1900s, before the creation of the cigarette machine, cigars were you know, consumed a lot more um, well, volume wise.
0: Volume wise. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that uh, is social, right? Social changes where, oh, no, like tobacco bad now. Whereas, and it go, goes through these cycles historically where society rejects tobacco and then, you know, 50 to hundred years later, it comes back and yeah. people are okay with it. And then 50 to hundred years later, like, no, tobacco bad. And it's just this, this cycle, right? So yeah. we're just, we're, we're just in the downturn right now where people are like, you know, marijuana good tobacco bad. <laughs> uh, wait, what? <clears throat> but I mean, that's, that's where we're at.
2: It's wild. Um, I'm kind of going off your question because your, your question was kind of scenario. Synetre- 33 dollars well no and I, then
0: it, it was more just how has the industry changed should we expect higher price cigars is is the is the time of the ten dollar cigar over or do you think that there's still we can I still think get- as
2: long as costs continue to rise um, you know you're not only dealing with cost rising you're dealing with weather challenges um, Ecuador very difficult um growing season this year connecticut we've been struggling with way too much rain this is not helping um because then costs are going up and then it all is based on yield um you know and that that, you know so in these two places uh, that's been even more difficult so that's contributing to prices going up even more you have labor shortages um you know, in Nicaragua, I've never seen anything like it in 20 years. Um, you know, I think Esteli maybe lost 10 percent of the population. Jesus. I mean, I've never seen so many people migrate north um, before and have no issue getting across the border. That's uh, I'm not trying to get political. I'm just that's from observation. Is of that knowing due to the political situation with, in Nicaragua? Yeah, I yeah. Well, yes, also the political situation in Nicaragua. And then also once somebody hears that you can get across the border pretty easily, that kind of that that starts a rippling effect.
1: Um, Well, all the Cubans that have been going through Nicaragua didn't help. You know, know, Nicaragua opened their doors. Yeah, they opened opened their doors, not requiring any visas for Cubans. So that became the gateway of all these Cubans migrating to nicaragua and then making their way up you know to the southern border
2: but then you have local population honduras you have the same um you know i don't know how the dr is but you know costs there are definitely higher um than i would say honduras or, or nicaragua um so again if costs keep going up if fuel costs keep going up yeah i mean you're gonna see you're gonna see slight um increases um you know in the product that's I think the reason why I, you know, in the portfolio of Foundation Cigars, if you see the portfolio, I I come at it via working at a cigar shop and understanding you have a range of different smokers coming into your store all the time. That can range from strengths, uh, mild, medium, strong, to also price point. Um, You know, Charter Oak for us has been a huge success because it's, you know, there you go. Uh, great cigar, you know, nice at a great value. But again, you know, those have gone up. I have a lot of retailers that don't like it because it, it, they want it to be more expensive, um, which is interesting because shows a shift in the retailers, which is actually, you know, it's a, a little bit more uh, business minded, uh, yeah. you know, approach. But, you know, still the cigar has been great and I'm trying to maintain it at that price point we take less margin to keep it at a better price point um, you know I have a great manufacturing partner on it also so it's um, but I think yeah you, you will see increases as long as you know increases in tobacco tobacco prices are incre- you know crazy kind crazy. of
0: along the, that that same that same kind of thought when, when you decide like you're not tapped Right, and by the way, like the Senate, it's worth the thirty-three dollars. It's
2: probably worth fifty. Like, go buy it,
0: whatever it is. Just, no, it, I thought really it was. Good. I
2: thought I thought it was a special cigar it, it to is. warrant. It is. I think the highest-priced cigar that we've made. It's, if there's I anything think it is. to but it's to warrant cigar- a you know some guys say oh it's thirty yes it's supposed to be 33 it's the 100th year anniversary of king tut's discovery so i mean that, i can't make a 2 dollar cigar for that there know? are
0: there are certain <laughs> cigars Nick, that like i said demand that price point that's one of them i love that cigar so much it is so good and it is so special and like i said it is a black tie uh kind of cigar it is an elegant luxurious cigar it's not something that you would smoke while you're fucking mowing your lawn if that's where you're smoking it, you're doing right. it wrong. Sit down, Correct. and enjoy it. Just focus Correct. on the cigar, and I promise you, it'll be one of the best experiences of your life because it was mine. Um, but, but uh, it's along six those, and
2: three quarters oh, by fifty-two perfecto. You just got, you got, uh, you got. You know, how how long did it take you to smoke it?
0: It took me an hour over, and a half at least. It was about hour forty-five. Two hours? I was yeah. yeah, I was I was really enjoying it. So I was. I, I was taking my time because I'm like, so fucking good. And yeah. It was funny. I, I a mean, buddy of mine bought yeah. five boxes.
2: Five fucking boxes. Nice. Was like, nice. Yeah. We are re-releasing that cigar next yep. month. It's 500 boxes. I was not planning on doing it. You know, to me, it was the hundredth year. <laughs> I received a lot of pressure. Of course, I want to sell cigars, but... <laughs> To uh, of people that wanted the cigar or didn't get a chance to get it. Um, so every November to honor the the discovery of King Tut's, we're going to do 500 boxes.
0: I think it's a great yeah. idea because then I can just keep smoking it and I don't have to just save these. I can just know there I, have you go. Year, I have a year to smoke through the 12. All right. So let me let, let me get back to this yeah. question because my question is. So when you when, when, when you're thinking about doing a new cigar and in your mind, you're going through like what your vision is for the cigar. Like, let's take the Metapa, for example. Okay. When you, when you were like, I'm going to do this and this is kind of what I'm looking for as far as flavor profile, this, that, and the other, does price enter into your mind then, or does it enter into your mind like closer to the end of production where you're like, okay, so this is how much the tobacco costs. This is how much logistics are going to cost. Like this is where we're going to put it. Or are you, do you start with a price point in mind?
2: No, I can't. I couldn't start uh, with this one. The price point was not in mind. It has to be, it it has to be magical. You know what I mean? This is where you're at in the market. It has to be different than the rest of the portfolio. It has to have a rhyme and a reason. And I think the Sumatra Ecuador that wrapper is very unique. It has a very unique flavor profile. Olmec, you have San Andreas, you know, very different. So they're delivering, you know, different flavor profiles. But I, you know, I didn't look at price until until the end. It's also using a Connecticut broadleaf binder. So that kind of comes in because here we have tons of, you know, broadleaf crops that are being sorted, that are being used on Tabernacle, on Charter Oak, uh, the Charter Oak Maduro. And then you have binders, you have fillers from that crop that need to find a home. So I haven't had a home for the binder, the Connecticut Broadleaf Binder. So this binder is actually over three years aged, the binder. Um, and it's been amiando in in the packs. Um just because we haven't had a home for it. And that to me really adds to the uniqueness also of the blend. Sumatra Ecuador, Sumatra has its own kind of unique characteristics. Sometimes to me, it can be a bit on the bitter side if you're not careful. Um, The broadly finder, sweet. So it kind of comes in and then balances out some really rich, heavy, delicious, um fillers from Esteli and Jalapa. And I tend to go like, you know, in blends that I'm I'm doing, they're more predominantly Viso and Lijero's and, you know, heavier, richer leaves. They just have to you just have to make sure they're, you know, balanced out. But this this cigar has some strength. Um but it, it it's it got does. some heat to it. It does. Yeah.
0: But when I I <laughs> sitting down, I always feel like I'm gonna fanboy over and I don't want a fanboy over it. But when I sat down to smoke it, I, I made sure it was on a clean pallet right? And I was I was uh herfing with uh with Tim who does our, our clear the air and uh he was like what are you smoking? I said this matapa from from Nick and he's like oh shit. He's like, How is it? He's cause you gave us each uh some at the at the yeah, show yeah. and he um, he's at like show, yeah he goes, I haven't smoked mine yet. I'm like, all right. I'm like, well you should probably just put down whatever shit stick you got.
2: And fucking light this up. I'm like this is really good. Because Did it, you have the Maduro or the uh the Claro? I think you I remember? had the Where? at the show it was the Maduro. Then yeah. it was
0: the Maduro. Then that's the one. If that's yeah, the one yeah, you yeah, had, yeah. then it was yeah. the Maduro. I don't remember yeah. it being very dark though, but I mean it's been you couple, have couple you months.
2: have your shade variances. Um you know, so it's not gonna be it, there's gonna be a little bit of shade variance, but it was the it claro was sometimes is like a Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Then it was definitely the Maduro. And it was, it was very balanced. It was very, and I just remember, and I'm a sucker for a good Sumatra. Cause I just think that that the Sumatra wrapper has that nice amount of, of of spice and, and that, the flavor, it's just really, it it hit my palate the right way. And I looked at, I looked at him. I'm like, God damn it. He goes, What?
1: I gotta buy a fucking box
0: of this. (laughs) Cause it's just so good. It's like, God damn it. Nick's taking more money out of my pocket, like both between Nick and Nick here. Jesus Christ, like I, I have no money because they did. They both take it. Um, <laughs> so the Metapa. is it's Nick squared. It is Nick, Nick squared. Nick squared. <laughs> <laughs> like that may be the name of this episode, Nick squared. Um, we got so you've got you've got the Metapa coming out this month, November. You've got you've got the uh, the the senator. Senators uh, are coming out November, the 500 boxes that what else do you have coming up? Like what's on the docket? Yeah. For
2: you? So next week we're going to st- probably start shipping, um, Matapa. and I have two new charter oaks, um, that are shipping that are h- tributes to my grandfathers. One is a Connecticut broadleaf. One is a Connecticut shade. They're completely different blends from the core line charter oak. Um, the only similarities is rappers, but is that the, the pa- rest of the blend. Pasquale, Pasquale? Is that Pasquale? Is my grandfather on my my father's side? He was uh, Pasquale. Pasquale. He smoked exclusively Oscuro Connecticut broadleaf cigars. Oh wow! He was um, unfortunately he passed when I was fifteen, so I didn't get to smoke cigars with him. Mm. But he used to drive my brother and I around with always a connecticut broadleaf in his mouth and he used to take us to mr steak and we get a steak and then at the cash register was a glass case filled with cigars and he'd get his top stone connecticut broadleaf extra outscudos and we get our bubble bubble gum cigars and walk out of there like a million bucks um so i had to do something in tribute to him so this is you know, kind of a special, to me, a blend, like a special occasion that they would smoke. They would be smoking Charter Oaks on a daily. that That's what the intent of Charter Oak was, that, uh, you know, everyday Connecticut cigar, Broadleaf, you know, we have the shade, and then we have the Habanos also. The, this would be like that special, you know, birthday, holiday blend. And the other one is Pagnotero, which is my other grandfather. I was fortunate to smoke a lot of cigars with him, um, and he got to see Foundation going. He was my biggest fan. He loved Connecticut Shade. So um, that one for him. So those are 12-count boxes, different band as the regular Charter Oak, again, a little bit fancier, special occasion. Those are going to come out on a quarterly basis. Um, Those are going to be released on a quarterly basis. So those, Metapa should start shipping. Um, most likely next week. And then the night command, the tabernacle night commander. Yeah, this yeah. is, um, this is, this is one of those uh, sinecher cigars, um, special tabernacle, same size as the sinecher, six and three quarters by 52. I love the size again for like you're saying for a special occasion, there's just something about that size that I, I really enjoy. Um, these tabernacles have been aging for the past 18 months in cedar in Nicaragua. Um, so it's going to be a bit more of a refined version of the tabernacle broadleaf. They're 12 counts. Um, there's only going to 700 boxes and then all the proceeds on our side of sales is going to be going to charity um for Ethiopian education scholarships um so we're going to end up donating well, all of that money um yeah to the Ethiopian charity.
0: We talked about this a little bit the first time you were on the show but you have such a passion for the people that you that you run into that you deal with on a on a daily basis the people of Nicaragua you have a passion for them you have a passion uh for Ethiopians in love of their rich history um and, and you 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 work that into the marketing of your cigars and the chartero you have a passion for where you came from from Connecticut and you you really do weave those passions um into the marketing can can you talk about that just real quick because you know everything i i've always said everything that 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 master blender's like Nick squared here do it, it, it's art it, it it's art uh from 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 seed to shelf and everything in between it is it is very artistic but uh, I, I think it's especially most evident in the marketing because that's where yeah we know what you wanted to do with this because we smoke it and we taste it it's like a chef and you know what they wanted to do with the dish because you're 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 really you're digging into it with your with with your senses but Sure. When it when it comes to the marketing of, of the cigars, like that's where that's where you can really kind of let loose and show your passions. Speak to that just for a minute.
2: You know, it's been exciting for me to be able to complement blends. You know, before on the de side, I wasn't involved in the marketing side of things at all. Um, you know, strictly on the tobacco side. So to be able to start my own company and then complement these blends with things that I've been passionate about in my life since I started smoking cigars. Because a lot of these things, when I started smoking cigars, is really when my passion for history, culture, you know, just, I was 18 learning about life and you, you meet so many amazing people in the cigar shop too from all different walks of life. So it was a crucial time for me and all I'm doing is just you know sharing those uh passions via the medium of cigar bands and boxes and my art director and I you know it works really well because we've been friends you know I met um Alex when I first moved to Nicaragua in 2003 2004 I think we met and we have a lot of the same interests in music in history um and it's it's kind of bizarre but when you kind of learn the story you get it a little bit more um and ethiopia is just one of those places i learned about you know when i was starting smoking cigars that i grew up and just knew about starvation because i you know in the 80s unfortunately ethiopia got branded via live aid like, you know, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. intentions. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, a lot, a lot of it's very controversial. Live Aid, actually, we are the world because a lot of those funds ended up in communist hands that took over Ethiopia in 1974. Very kind of similar histories to Cuba and what's going on in Cuba. Um, so um, when I learned that there's, This history there, it's not just starvation. It's actually the history of humanity and this story that now we can trace via uh, bones that have been found there, mitochondria, DNA, but it's also in the uh, biblical text. I mean, the Garden of Eden starts and is described as Tigris, Euphrates, Gihon and Fihon. This is the land of Ethiopia or Kush or those who have been darkened by the sun. So when I learned these things, it 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 just changed my whole perspective on life. And I started seeing things very intricately interconnected. Um, And I've always wanted to kind of use, um, you know, these different images that I've seen throughout the years on a cigar project, because I think they're so elegant. Um, You know, Tabernacle, the band is the last emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie. But that's from an image from 1930 when he was coronated uh, king, and then there's some just really amazing. And that's another band when I saw it come out for, you know, it printed with the golden embossing, you know, it, it it was just you know one of those moments that just fit perfectly what the blend was, you know, what what the blend is all about, <laughs> and you can take it to different levels, right? To, again, it starts with the cigar. This is the foundation, tobacco you know, cigars, So I don't, I never want people to get it twisted that, you know, cause it's, it's, it's always about that when it starts. Um, yeah. You were a student.
0: And I said this the last time you run. you were a student of history. You are a, you know, I, I say master blender and I know you both hate that. And I kind of say it just cause I know you both hate it yeah. uh, because you, yeah. you've both said before, you know, you're always learning. and I know you have to run here real quick, Nick, but I want to ask you this as a student of history and a student of, of, of man, humanity. Uh, kind of as a whole. Does the cigar industry take itself too seriously sometimes?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Just yeah. Totally just in general, seriously.
0: they just, they just take everything.
2: Yeah. So serious. It's too too seriously. Sometimes too clicky. Um. Sometimes too intimidating to newer smokers. We need people to learn about the craft and enjoyment of handmade cigars. And it's very intimidating to people. I mean, um, so I kind of like to see that kind of clicking. You know, it just reminds me of, you know, high school or, or junior high again. And it's just really important, you know, to to welcome people in the right people. Right. Of course, people that are really about enjoying, um, you know, the leaf and and, and cigars. But yeah, I mean we really need to of open our arms more. And,
0: is there is there room yeah. in the cigar industry for new for new blood for new companies, for new manufacturers? Yeah,
2: of course, you know um I think there I think there is um, yeah, in what sense just in I mean definitely in, of course, in smoking, general, right I, yeah yeah I mean you know, need, you know you
0: always hear horror stories, somebody new coming in like, oh nobody wanted to help me. Uh, you know stolen throne that's where they got their name somebody told them there wasn't room at the table and they're like fuck it we'll bring our own oh, chair really? no. yeah so I mean like yeah. that's you hear stories like that and you're like well does the industry think there's room for, for growth or is it like status quo
2: Like Some, somebody ex- explained the industry to me that I thought is the perfect uh, you know because somebody said uh, everybody gets along in the cigar industry it's everybody's so friendly and they're helping each other out person said it's like sitting down at a you know a table and everybody's got a, a gun drawn under the table but everybody's being nice um <laughs> i
0: think I, you know i think you said that on the last podcast too. you're like it's a it's a poker game in the old west
2: it is it you know it's very it's fitting. tough right because it is it, it's it takes a lot to be in this it, and to be on it, in it on all levels, but then also the manufacturing, the tobacco side, like people have spent a lot of time and struggles learning a lot of this information. So you can't throw sometimes the pearls away, it, you know, maybe sometimes people get too extreme. Maybe they, you know, it's good to help, you know, but it can't be just given away frivolously at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, a lot of people had to go through, you know, through a lot of things to learn stuff, and this interest—it's interesting this industry because the barrier to entry, there is no real standard, right? I mean, you can order cigars, put your name on it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's no kind of standard of what you know master blender means. Or the wine industry is pretty—they're on a whole nother level right. compared to, you know, the cigars. I mean, these guys. Will the cigar the industry ever get to that
0: level? Will we get to that level where
2: we're... I don't, I don't know. I would, mean, that's... You,
0: a, you would think that in an industry that takes itself so seriously that somebody's going to have to step up and go, let's standardize some shit. Like, let's make sure we're all... It's a level playing field.
2: Yeah, but then again, that would... I don't know. of something away about from that the, that... Yeah. It does. I mean, that's what makes our industry so... We, industry interesting is that the barrier to entry it's not like you know starting an alcohol brand like you need millions of dollars to start an alcohol brand um potentially i mean you could probably you you could start doing it yourself but yeah i don't i don't know it's what makes the cigar industry interesting it all comes down to again the cons the the consumer and the market and you know with price point is it going to bear the price point is it going to bear the market are people going to find the product you know, um, attractive, uh, the blends, the marketing, you know, the, the, the market response and you see through time. I mean, how many brands have I seen through, through since 96? I remember 96 getting garbage bags of tons of brands. I remember, you know, going through so much crap and saying, if somebody just put passion, you know, and their love into this, they could, they could have something. Um, and I think that's eventually what, you know, what ends up sticking is, yeah. um, you know, as the market kind of sorts things out. I think you're right. Um, and I think what they
0: a, a, an example of that, a shining example of that is is Foundation Cigars. You put your love, your, your, your passion into it. Uh, some of the best cigars out there, if you don't know, like where have you been? go try Foundation, go to your local b and uh, check it out. Let the people know where you're going to be next. So this will air November 1st. Where are you going to be November and, uh, uh, and December?
2: November 1st? I'm actually going to be at the Cigar Aficionado Big Smoke um, in Vegas. Um, we're going to be there, and I was invited to do a panel discussion on Connecticut Broadleaf. Nice. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then um, I'm probably going to be heading to uh, Nicaragua. Uh, have got a lot, a lot to do. Um, just so a lot of my time is going to be, you know, is spent in Nicaragua, just managing production and, you know, making sure everything's, everything's on point. Everything's so, the way you want it. No, yeah.
0: I, I hear you. Well, uh, I, I hope you have fun doing that. I hope you have a great holiday season since this is November 1st. I know it's a little weird. It's not even Halloween when we're recording this, but I hope you have a great holiday season. I could sit here literally, Nick, and talk to you for another hour, but I know you've got to run. We've already run uh, about five minutes too long. I appreciate the time you take to to sit down with guys like us and, and kind of let us know what you're thinking, what's rolling around in that in that head of yours. And guys, again, if you haven't tried the Senator 500 boxes released in November, you've got to get it. That's my cigar of the year. Spoiler: it's coming. Like that's just it. There's nothing better that came out this year, and there's been some really good cigars that have come out. Uh, The Matapa, so good. Uh, The Pasquale, I loved that cigar as well. Uh, So Nick Malillo, Foundation Cigars. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: Guys, guys, thank you so much. Um, I I always enjoy talking to you guys. We got to make sure we do this uh, again.
0: Yes. And
2: uh, I just say to your listeners and to everybody, be patient with me. If you can't find some of the sticks, you just know when you do get them, they're going to be on point. And, uh, that's, that's my constant commitment.
0: There you go. Constant commitment. And you can, you, you can tell it, it, the proof is in the eating of the pudding or the smoking of the cigars. The case may be some of the best cigars out there. Nick Melillo. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Nick Sears.
2: Thank you, sir. Thank you, Nick.
0: Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, my L- friend. Listening
1: in. Yeah, listening in. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I kind of hey, bulldozed that a, whole interview. Always, yeah. a, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah. I'm like, wait, no, but I got more.
0: I got more. And wait, I, Nick, we, Nick.
1: I, got a, I got a front row seat. That's great. I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> well, you're gonna join yeah. me next week with Tim for Clear the Air, where we talk about Nick Malillo behind his back, and then put it out there for everybody to see, including Nick himself, if he so chooses to watch. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, joining us next time on the podcast. Uh, John Lorendi and Adrian from uh, Marahaj from uh, uh, Peter James. Great interview with them. Uh, Nick and Nick, thank you very much. Until next time, guys, stay smoky, friends.